0: G'day and welcome to Radio Notes, where those in Music Talk Life and those in Life Chat Music and more, I'm John Murch. Let's head into our feature guest.
1: Bridget Bardini has placed their psychology degree on hold and has released their debut single, Aphrodite, taking into their musical soup of influence the likes of Portishead, Bjork and PJ Harvey. The track was recorded at Toyland Studios with ethereal sounds to the fore across the mix. Hear now one of the first extended chats with them about their life, influence and music.
0: Bridget, thanks very much for joining Radio Notes.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: When were you first introduced to the music of PJ Harvey?
2: I think 2017. I... Really got into PJ Harvey. So that was like, that was only a few years ago, really. As soon as I heard her sound, and I think it was especially in Is This Desire and Stories from the City, Stories from the Sea, I was immediately just like blown away because it's kind of hard to also see like a lot of female artists who seem like they have complete like autonomy in what they're doing and just like artistic integrity and they're just holding the reins with a lot of their projects. And she really inspired me in so many ways, like to do with sound as well as the fact that she was just on stage with a guitar, wearing heels and a dress and just looking like an absolute boss. She pushed me to really do what I want want to do, you know.
0: And that was in 2017. We now can mention that this first single, and I believe a lot of the album will be, all about your instrumentation, about you playing as many of the instruments as you can.
2: Well, I think it's just the fact that I like to, if I feel like I want to create something, I want to be able to sit down and kind of construct that myself and not feel the need to rely on too many other people to do those things for you because I think that a lot to do with writing a song, in a sense, is momentum. For me, it's that's what it is and I need to kind of take that opportunity to write. If I have to rely on lots of other people, I would write a whole lot less so I had to kind of learn to do it myself which I think has been super helpful in the long run.
0: Is the album with the same sort of ethos that it is yourself who's done most of the work that you've had an opportunity to do the songwriting through to the finished song as far as possible?
2: Everything every song that I wrote I pre-produced at home so they all have that similar sense of it's all me kind of the, the style but a lot of the songs have a different feel because they all pull off different experiences and different experimentation because I was also just learning what I wanted to sound like as an artist and what I liked the most. My favourite thing about this album is that it's got a kind of a versatility about it, which I really value when I listen to it.
0: Did you take 13, 15, 20 tracks into the studio and then Bring it down to what is nine, eight, ten?
2: I presented 14 demos to my current manager who put me on to Adam Kalaitzis from Toyland. I had written a whole lot of songs, but it really came down to about ten that we chose to do in the studio. Those ones all ended up being used.
0: Can you talk us through the importance of the demoing process? Because as you've mentioned then, there's a lot that's been demoed.
2: I like to always keep, keep everything because I feel like there's always, there's always something, even if it's just the smallest um, trim of a song that uh, could be handy in the future. But there are sometimes those songs that I forget about, you know, that, that I go back to later. I'm like, wait, that was, that was okay. I shouldn't have really, you know, mentally trashed that one, but I've got so many different trials and I I don't really want to get rid of any because it's kind of like I did art at school. He said, don't ever throw anything away because it's all your mistakes are like your progress. It's how you get from one good thing to the next good thing. And no mistake should really be discounted. They're like tools in a sense. You learn from them.
0: Just in terms of that throwing away of ideas versus the archiving of ideas, you've clearly put your foot in the camp of keeping ideas for the exact reasons that you've said. Do you more generally, when you look across society, see that people don't hold on to ideas that they have as much as they used to?
2: I think that it's got a lot to do with the fact that people, when they go on their phones and they go outside their You know, it's like it's like a huge, giant tsunami of images, and one idea to the next idea to the next one. You know, so I think that, in a sense, people don't really dwell on anything too long, and that might cause a lack of depth. So, you know, in comparison to maybe the seventies, I feel like eras. we're we're losing eras like that sentimentality of a moment in time.
0: The reason why I'm bringing that up is I'll let the listener into the fact that you've actually put a psychology degree on hold to do the music. So how much of your headspace was invested Mm -hmm. in psychology and what was the interest in doing it at the time? Why did you decide psychology was something you did want to start with?
2: I found that I was good at just speaking to people and understanding certain ideas around human behavior and the way the mind works. And I just found that I could easily understand a lot of that subject matter. So it was a lot to do with the fact that I just wanted to learn more about people and how they function and how I function as well.
0: Have you found people within your life have been easily distracted by other things going on maybe other sirens in their life and now I guess we're heading towards the themes of the song?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that a lot of people lose focus really quickly and there's a lot of comparison that goes on all the time. People are comparing themselves. I decided to just extract myself, you know, just remove myself from that because it wasn't really helping because at the end of the day, everyone's spending every second with themselves. I'm not spending every second with another person. They're not spending every second with me. Like when I go to sleep, I'm going to sleep in my own world.
0: Back to the single called Aphrodite and what it's actually about. Get a sense that there was someone in your life that got distracted, couldn't find the time or couldn't actually focus on what was in front of them, which was you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think there's no ill feelings um, in that song. It's it's all a sense of just knowing the terms of what you share with someone and accepting that. Yeah, there's no, no sense of bitterness at all. It's just me learning that other people are different and that we see things through different eyes and even see each other through different eyes. So it was just me learning that they have a sense to, you know, be tempted by A, B and C and they might not prioritise things the same way I prioritise things in my life and it was just accepting that rather than rejecting that as a possibility and being bitter about that.
0: You've got the medium, Bridgette, of communication through song and is that what you've mm. done with this album or at least with this single is you've given it a chance, even if it's not communicating with someone else, to communicate a situation through the music so you can reflect.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I I use music as a tool as of reflection and a, a therapy in a sense and revising my lessons, you know, in life in a bit of kind of like a note to myself or a note to others. And I think that that's what this song is as well. It's me learning a lesson and just making a footnote in a way just through music
0: what has the songwriting process done for you
2: it's allowed me to just to release a lot of things things go into my brain and I suppose you need to make more room and music is a way to just store that there and store that there and it's a way to just put things in and put them out and have that healthy cycle and that healthy flow and I think that when there's something bothering me or something that's itching at me whether it's good or bad I feel the need to write a song about it because it's that same thing that you need that constant flow of you know taking things in and putting it somewhere else so you're not overwhelmed as a person.
0: With a debut single out now and an album on the way, I want to ask you about obviously style and where it's come from. We've mentioned PJ Harvey, and what's your favourite Bjork song and why, or maybe it's an album and why?
2: I think it's "All Is Full of Love." I just love that song. Her, her and the film clip. I, I just it's like painted in my brain. I think she's got such a like in that song. It's almost like a kind of like a gospel, you know, it's got a gospel feel about it because she's really preaching about something and her voice is just incredible. And when she makes you feel something, you're like, I just, you know, I I can't even tell you why. But yeah, I think it has to be that song for sure.
0: I wanna ask about your father's influence on your music and maybe his record collection as well. I understand Jeff Buckley is part of that mix what particular yeah. experiences of that record collection have you had to give you an understanding of what music is about?
2: I think Air was one of those albums, you know, talkie walkie and pretty much any of Air's albums, because mm-hmm. they're all so different and have a different sound about them in a sense, or they're trialing different things. But I think that they really opened my mind a lot to just different sounds and a lot of people I find listen to a song and they go, oh, you know, that's weird, or you know, and but it's like you're you're not really listening. You're like you're not understanding what they're trying to do here, or you're you're not just respecting that they're approaching things in a way that ha- aren't typically approached, and that can really be difficult to do and thinking that way and kind of having the courage to put something that strange in your song and be like, let's just go with it. I really admire them as artists because they really just are always mixing sounds and um, surprising me all the time and I think that's really hard for a lot of artists to do and I think they never fail to do that.
0: In what way are you absorbing Mm -hmm. those different sounds from the airs to the Bjorks?
2: Whenever you're listening to music, you always hear something that sticks with you in a sense and you subconsciously learn all the time. And I think that even since I was a kid, listening to all types of music, I was always learning. And especially when you're younger, you're like a sponge and you just soak it all in without even meaning to. But I think that now I really try consciously make an effort to pay attention and always pick up the layers of what is in the music and divide that up in my head and try and understand what they were doing, what they were saying. And I think that that all that knowledge always somehow creeps back into my own writing and how I write my lyrics and integrate sound.
0: From the bedroom demos, what was the actual catalyst to be serious about music? What happened in your life that you had to make this album.
2: Oh, um, I think it was. I was in my a year of psychology, and it just there was that point where I just felt off. There was something in my life that wasn't working, and my gut was telling me something wasn't going right. Frankly, I just wasn't happy. I was unhappy, and it wasn't that sort of unhappy where you don't know why. It was because I needed to change my life and I knew it was because I needed to write music and there was no other reason. As soon as I did that, I was happy. You know, it was just like that sort of thing where it's like I knew what I needed to do to change things. It was just instinct and it felt kind of like I was desperate to do it. And my body was literally telling me, This is what you need to do. It was kind of amazing. Every fiber of your being can pull you in one direction.
0: What was your first experience of film?
2: I think my first, I can distinctively remember the first movie, I saw it when I was quite young, maybe 12 or 11, and it was uh, Donnie Darko and I immediately just was sh- like completely in awe because that's one of those movies that has so many layers to it and so many hidden messages and you have to really strip it away to get to the crux of it and i was just totally taken aback by how a project can hit you in such a way and you don't even know why and it can stick with you and i watched american beauty not long after that and it was a similar feeling and it was the same feeling really it, it was just, it struck me and it really made me understand that there was depth to this and it made me think differently because I wanted to know more and analyse it in a sense. So I approached literature and movies and uh, and lots of things in, in a different way because it wasn't just the surface anymore. There was so much more to see and to know about.
0: Your own music video clip for the song Aphrodite has a connection with a film festival.
2: Yeah. I met the filmmaker outside of this bar that plays independent films. So people, they, you know, anyone can really submit a, a film or, you know, something that's kind of been forgotten and they they play them there. I met him outside and we just started talking about films and, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson and Charlie Kaufman and all these great actors and music and everything like that we followed each other on Instagram and I, you know, gave him a bit of a stalk. Yeah, he was really, you know, I thought he'd be great for the project. And it was just really by chance. He'd only been in um, Australia for a month. So I got really lucky.
0: If you want to stalk him at chairman of the board, B-O-R-E-D 7 on Insta. Can you tell us a little bit more about him and I guess the, the process of getting the music film clip done?
2: It was a great experience. I mean, he was open to trying new things. I was open to trying new things. It was just a safe space like that. We just exchanged ideas and we tried a whole bunch of things that didn't work, you know. We, you know, did the most random setups. Like we put candles around with like a bit of like a red essence that kind of looked like a Satan's dungeon or something like that, which didn't work. But it was really more that, watery sort of that underwater feel that really captured the song and it didn't look out of place it it worked so we really just ran with that idea and stuck with it
0: what elements of Aphrodite's life did you want to get across of course you had your own narrative within that but of Aphrodite Mm -hmm. themselves
2: I think I wanted to get across that she was you know from what I've read about her the essence of her that she's kind of a um Obviously a bit enigmatic and also a bit of a, you know, questionable entity. She can have her jealous moments or, you know, she's a bit flawed in a sense. She's not perfect. I didn't want to make people perceive her as that white, like as in like, you know, pure floating body. You know, I wanted her to be darker and reflect that side of her instead, which is less typically seen or -hmm. heard of as much you see her in, in multiple dimensions I suppose it's nothing's ever one thing I wanted to to make sure that was in a sense seen and you've also got you know multiple characters in it the person beckoning Aphrodite and then you've got Aphrodite herself so it's kind of however the viewer wants to perceive which I suppose
0: what was it like talking about Aphrodite? What was it like working with the amazing she is Aphrodite?
2: It was great. It was great. She taught me a lot. She was really just open to having a laugh and just just being comfortable with each other. And I really appreciated that. You know, it wasn't that sense of, oh, you know, um, do I have to walk around you and do you have to walk around me? It was very like, we'll just collaborate on this together and she taught me how to look into the camera without looking like I was scared. <laughs> it was a huge learning experience, and I'm really grateful that that first real big photography
1: experience was with her.
0: It's massive because the reason why I know who images she's been doing the work for Meg and Washington's singles of late.
1: Radio notes released first as podcast can also be heard on radio worldwide.
0: Do you have a vision as a musical artist of who? Bridget Bardini is?
1: I think so
0: I think
2: she's me but just a lot more confident (laughs) and you know it's that it's that sort of thing yeah really not too far from me naturally I suppose and I don't want to try trick anyone I just want to be the most truthful I can be I suppose so It's naturally, if you go on stage, you have to have a bit of a persona to kind of deliver something in a way that is, you know, confidently and, um, as well as with a lot of feeling, but I guess that's to be tested with because I haven't actually done a lot of live gigs. So that's yet to be determined.
0: Do you feel more confident that you're able to stamp your own name instead of a moniker on what you're doing now? Does that give you more confidence?
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm able to deliver things personally, but um, still not take on something that's too far from myself. So mm. it, it allows me to, to adjust a lot more easier to that sense of relating with people that are external to the project in a way. Yeah.
0: Obviously now is not the time for live music uh, for reasons we don't need to get into, but I want to know about your enthusiasm and what challenges you think you might have about going live. And I only mean that because you play all the instruments, you'll need to get a band.
2: Um, well, I'm really um, just nutting that out and, and um, learning the ropes when it comes to live performance. And in the initial stages I'll be trying to do as much of it I can you know as I can myself while I'm getting that experience there's going to be a point where I'm definitely going to want to have a kind of a production on stage and deliver the music as epically as I can and complement it there could be a point where it's it, it might have to be a visual virtual concert or something like that you never know really
0: Well, let's talk about visual, because you mentioned that before the virtual, because I'm interested to know whether or not you perceive your music, and of course, you know it beyond this single more than anyone else, whether or not there's a visual integration or performance that it could take.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that it could go anywhere. It's hard to really know at present, because What I've learned through this whole process is that, you know, you have one idea at one moment in time and then a few days later that's totally out the window and then you're on the other side of the spectrum. I think that I'm leaving my mind open to whatever could be done with the music and whatever it is, if it's done right, it'll it'll work, I think.
0: I think you've still got that excitement about what you can do with this medium of music, even though it may have been in your life for a number Mm -hmm. of years already. Let's ask you straight out whether or not you'll go back to psychology and integrate it into your music. Is psychology gone?
2: I think right now learning about psychology on more of an educational standpoint is is on pause and I'm hoping it won't I won't have to go back. I'm really this is what I want to do and I'm really hoping that in the next 10 years I'll have successfully made music a career but who knows I could buy a good book learn more about the brain more about who knows mental illness human behavior who knows you know I think for now music is a very intense focus for me and I love it
0: there's an enjoyment in drawing what's drawing as in the pen and paper doing for you
2: it's always been something I love to do I think it's in a sense therapeutic as well because it's You're just sitting there focusing on one thing for a long period of time and it's kind of meditative in a way. I've always just loved the act of imagining something and putting it on to paper. Um, I'll always come back to it. It's something I've done for so many years. But, yeah, right now it's that, that difference of imagining something and putting it into sound instead.
0: This is a very basic question, but I like this about a new artist. I can just ask and you go, oh, okay, whatevers. Yeah. Are you a pen and paper kind of creator? Um, I'm
2: not pen and paper, I would say. I'm more um, I need to have the instrument and do something then and there or I need to just try something on a program, you know, play something into the computer and just layer things and see how that goes and then if it doesn't work, I'm on to the next thing. So it's a lot more of a trial and error rather than how would this work technically.
0: For some people, it's the perfect way not to write down every single notation, not to write down the lyrics, but just listen back to it as you go.
2: Yeah, it's so much easier and I think that it's also you have to to trust yourself. And if you don't go and do it, you're never going to really do it. It's that sense of I'm too scared to to make that first step. So you just have to plunge yourself into it and give it a go. And I think that if I don't work like that, then I would never really make anything because I would be thinking about it too much rather than, um, and I don't, my my brain just doesn't really work like that. I I don't write down the notes and and see how that's going to go. I have to hear it after I do it and then see what I can layer that with and work like that, you know, in real time in a sense.
0: How much do you trust your gut?
2: I'd say at this point a lot more than I used to. I think just the more you exercise a certain skill, the more you're able to trust yourself with it. You know, I'm still early days. I I really only started learning guitar mid-2018 so um, it's really only been a short period of time. So I've got so much more to learn. But I think there's just about the fact that you just have to accept that you're going to make a mistake. Like that just happens and that's just life. You just go on to the next thing and it's no skin off your back. Because there was a point where I was quite critical and I had a lot of doubts about what I was, you know, you know, I'm going to do this and it's, does that sound good, I, you know? that neurosis around it. But now I'm a lot more like I'll just go with it and see what happens and that's the best way to for me to create.
0: Bridget, who's your sounding board, particularly for music and this up and coming album?
2: It's definitely Dad. He's the the critical um the second pair of ears that will tell me straight and I really do rely on that because I think he, you need that second pair of ears, otherwise it's kind of like...
0: It becomes a loop. Yeah,
2: yeah, because you're sitting there with it for so often and you need someone with fresh ears to, to listen to that. But then I've also got my manager, Simon Rashley, and he'll tell me what he thinks too and friends and at least they'll all be honest with me. I mean, I hope.
0: You've mentioned the manager there. What are the plans working towards?
2: The goal, the end goal is getting the album out there and just doing what we can to get an audience for that. The technical journey that we have to plan to get up to that point. But yeah, that's the thing I'm most excited for and I can't wait for it to get out there because that's what I've wanted to get out there from the beginning, you know.
0: How are you finding that, and it is the music biz bit that we're talking about just there, how are you finding that as an artist? Some people don't sit too well with it, other people dive in.
2: With all these things, you just learn that there's more to it, more to um there's more to everything than what you really see initially as a a listener or a watcher of movies, you know. So I'm just learning the ins and outs and how everything technically gets to people's ears. To me, it's been really interesting actually to pull down a whole bunch of illusions that I've previously had and just unveil a lot of things and but it's been it's been good and a really great learning experience
0: musically speaking mm. what's your favorite film soundtrack and why
2: ooh ooh okay i think i think it might have to be the one for american beauty i think that's just like undeniably such a unique approach to A movie soundtrack and it works so perfectly with the mood and like that frivolous feeling of kind of that xylophony the tapping and then you've got the kind of eerie strings and I think that it's that perfect juxtaposition of this guy who's in that point of his life where he's having a midlife crisis Mm. and he's frivolous but it's also he's also kind of going through a hard time dealing with that rigid expectation of suburban family life. So I really love the way that that soundtrack captures every deep emotion as well as having such a lighthearted feeling. That's what makes you cry in a sense because it's like I'm feeling so many things and it, it makes you emotional and I think that soundtrack has a lot to do with that
0: what kind of film would you imagine the tunes on this album, the tunes of your up-and-coming album, which kind of films would you imagine them appearing in?
2: That's just, like, I've never thought of that ever. That's such a good question. I would imagine it, it would be potentially... Possibly Sofia Coppola or someone along those lines, but I, I find that really difficult. I'll have to think about that one, to be honest. You've, you've stumped me.
0: After the interview goes out, by all means tweet mm-hmm. or Instagram us with a response, you know, in context so we can let the listener know. Let me of ask course. you then of Sofia Coppola films, what is it about the music that comes out in those films that grabs you?
1: Well,
2: I think that it's got a lot to do with not just the music but the way she pairs visuals with the music. And I think that I kind of mentioned Sophia Coppola because she's really um good at you know setting a scene, and like even in Mary Antoinette with Kirsten Dunst and all those amazing colors and the way the music lifts that and the visuals of the music. and I kind of see my music to be quite visual, so it would need to be that same partnership, the visuals being strong and the music being strong and they can inform each other in a sense.
0: You seem very, wherever you are in Australia at the moment, you seem very much centred and at home. What is your understanding of home?
2: Where I feel balanced and I'm doing the right things and I'm not going against the grain because I think even when you're in a place where you're unsettled, you're not really it's that kind of cheesy idea of being at home with yourself and feeling like you're, you're you've got stability because I mean found, you know stability in that foundation always starts from you for me at least so yeah it's just always, again, with the gut, following my gut and not going against the grain um, and keeping that balance so that I can not trip through life and I can actually walk comfortably. I want to
0: nail into that a bit. From your life experience, what is it that keeps you grounded apart from that gut? And we know from our chat, the gut is a strong thing for you. What else keeps you going on a path forward?
2: It's knowing that there's never really going to be a right time or like there's never going to be a time when the world is just perfectly sound and like joyful harmony there's always something and you just have to make the best of any situation and not wait for things to happen for you and just to always just to seize opportunity when it presents itself i always keep moving forward despite all the chaos, and there's been a lot of it lately.
0: For the next single after Aphrodite.
2: I think the next single, it's, I kind of battle with that thought of, oh, you know, is it going to be too different, or does it need to be more on the same sort of thing? But I realised that pretty much every song in the album is, like, very, very different. So that's never really something I can achieve anyway. But the next one is very, I think it's more confessional, a bit less obscure in terms of lyrically pulling down that barrier and talking to people straight about how I felt at the time. It's also very bright and joyful and is a little bit more peppy in a sense. And I think it just shows, I suppose, a different side of me as an artist. I say it's confessional as well, because it's about that moment that I decided to do music. And it's about that moment I decided to really take a a hold of my life and decide that I needed to do it, despite um, what a lot of people told me I should do. It's a confessional song. You'll understand what I mean when you hear it. It's about that sense of um, just getting over myself a little. Just saying that worse things could happen and I'm actually in such a amazing point in my life and I should be seizing that. That kind of note to myself as well and a reminder to always tell myself, you know, that message.
0: It also sounds like that you're trying to get the most out of life now that you've got that control because artists like Jeff Buckley mm-hmm. passed away at 33, about a decade away from where you are now.
3: I
2: think that what he achieved was epic for such a small period of time. You know what I mean? It was, I was like obsessed. I I still am obsessed. When I heard that he wasn't alive anymore, oh my God, I was cut. He has just that ability to play and sing. And it does go, I feel, off instinct. And it's like a, a direct translation of what he is feeling at that exact moment and what he wants to get across. And he has that amazing ability to just reach right into your soul and just be like, feel it. And that's what I I love about him. And there's no sense of shame or like he'll just cry on stage and it's just that delivery and it's so pure and it's so rare. That's what I love. I love it so much.
0: It's that confidence of telling vulnerability that you're just the message of the song.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly and then p- putting your life out there and especially because of his dad you know Tim Buckley people ask him about that all the time and I could imagine that would have been hard the way he was so ready to put himself you're, as the artist you're like that sacrificial lamb because he's willing to, to put his life out there and put himself in that position to get that music across and he's doing it for the music itself and I think that that's something to be admired and I admire that a lot.
0: And through his music, it's come through to yours as well. Aphrodite is the brand new single. The album is on its way. Thank you very much for joining Radio Notes, Bridget.
1: Thank you so much. Bridget Bardini, current single, Aphrodite, out through Ruby Valley Records.
0: Next time on the show, what's the greatest thing you've learned on the road regarding that? team band camaraderie because it is an interesting dynamic you've both got to experience
3: mm. oh it's simple things like mm. and it's not simple when you're living on a tour bus and it took me a few years to get my head around it but like just helping the crew load in mm. being aware that if the crews worked 12 hours that day that perhaps maybe you shouldn't get in the shower first you should let them have the shower and get them a beer because they've just been working for you all day Lessons like that took me years to learn, for sure. Being respectful of what somebody might be going through, if it's personal stuff, if they're fighting with their partner or they got somebody sick and they're not with them, just being like, hey, you wanna go get a coffee? Or I'll go get you a coffee. Because on stage, it's all kind of sorted. Over the years, we'd sorted our sound, we'd sorted our parts. There wasn't too much discussion on that. So it was mostly just how to live with one another. Those lessons changed my life, being considerate of where people are at and just the fact that it goes a long way to carry your own keyboard sometimes and to give someone a shower beer.
0: That's the sounds of Brie and Chris of Siberian Tiger, who in their own right are touring musicians for the likes of the Middle East and Matt Corby. But we'll be having a chat about their outfit together called Siberian Tiger in their home off the back of their debut EP release. Thanks very much to Bridget Bardini for being our guest this time.
1: radionotespodcast.com for show notes and links. Web design there by Steve Davis. Theme music by Martin Kennedy and All India Radio. I'm Tammy Weller. John Merch is the producer and host based in Adelaide, South Australia.